0: I'm here today because my mom and dad did the same thing for me, uh, and uh, my girls, our girls. If Lynn, I don't, I can't, I don't know where she is in here. Our girls, I know, not my girls, our girls. Uh, she always gets me on that at lunch. Uh, they, our girls, were absolutely baptized in the same garment that I was baptized in all those years before, and it's a very special thing. Um, and I assure you that that garment that I was baptized in. Uh, some almost 70 years ago, um, was not blue jeans. Uh, my mother my mother wore blue jeans on a very select basis. Now, this was a long time ago. My mother would wear blue jeans to work out in the yard. She would wear blue jeans to go on a picnic if she knew who was going to be there and to make sure that it was somebody who knew her well and knew that she was wearing those blue jeans um, uh, for all the right reasons, because, you know, in those days, women wore blue jeans. You just never knew what was up with that woman. So mom was very careful about wearing blue jeans. And there was one thing she would not do, however. She would never wear blue jeans in church. If my mother had blue jeans on and was going to run to the store and the route to the store went by First United Methodist Church, Sevierville, I assure you she would have gone a block around. She wouldn't have even driven by the church, because you don't do that. So, um, when I entered the ministry for the first several years in my little church at Dutch Valley, uh, I wore a suit or a sport coat and always a tie, and 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 she. She loved that, loved seeing me up there. And then later on, uh, when I went to Martell, we did the same thing. And then we started a contemporary service. And I continued to wear a coat and tie because I didn't have time to change in between. Then I came here, and she loved seeing me in this room, in this robe. And I know it just filled her to death. But when she went into the other room, the gym at first, and then over here now, and and she would see me in blue jeans and i remember the first time she saw me preach in blue jeans she asked me if that was okay and and she she acted like it was okay with her <laughs> It was, there was no way it was okay with her. I even tried to explain it uh, sort of theologically. I, I told her the story about a friend of mine who was serving a church in Gray, Tennessee. He had just taken on that church, and there was a farmer who lived nearby who always mowed the yard and trimmed the driveway at the church. He wasn't a member, and nobody could remember and didn't think he'd ever, or could never remember him coming to the church. So my friend went over to see him one day. and said, thank you so much for taking care of our property. We'd sure like to invite you to come to church. And he said, well, I, you know, I, I, I really can't because uh, I, I wear overalls all the time, and I don't think that's appropriate. And, and he said, oh, I, it, it is. It's fine. He said, I'll tell you what. If you come next, next Sunday, I promise you, you'll feel welcome. He said, okay. So he did, and my friend, instead of wearing his usual robe at that church, he wore overalls. And so the farmer came in and saw the preacher standing on the chancel in overalls, and he came back every Sunday until he died. And so I told my mom that story, thinking this is going to make everything okay. And she said, well, that's fine. But you shouldn't be wearing blue jeans in church. <laughs> okay, Mom. Okay. So, so I say all that to say this. My mom sacrificed literally, literally sacrificed her life for me and my brother. Now, I know I could go around with the microphone and probably get the same story for many, if not most of you. But she literally did. She put her life on hold when we were born. They weren't sure they were going to be able to have kids. And so when we came, you talk about all in. She was all in, and she gave up everything. She took, sec- she took part-time jobs to make sure we could take piano lessons and get braces when we needed them and always have new blue jeans, which were fine for school, just not for church. But she literally sacrificed her life for her brother and me. And so if I'm not in that room where I wear jeans very uh, intentionally, I have on a suit or a sport coat and shirt and, and a matching pocket square and tie because I do that to honor her because it meant so much for her for me to become a preacher. And because I had to wear jeans, or I do gladly wear jeans over there, I, do, I, wear, I dress like this. You see me after the service and my robe's not on. I got on a suit today. It's for mom. And I honor her sacrifice for me by my life. And symbolically, I do that by wearing a suit for her. Because you know, all of those things that she did for us and all of her sacrifice came at great cost. And my brother and I had no idea how many part-time jobs she worked and how she worked to keep the house clean and the clothes clean and everything perfect for us so that we could have every, certainly everything we needed and a lot of the things we wanted. She sacrificed, and it was costly. And now that I understand that, I want to honor her. And as we turn the page and think about now Jesus and his sacrifice, I want to say this is the front, and I'll say this again at the end. Sacrifice is the price of grace. We sing about amazing grace, and it is, and it's wonderful, and God is so graceful to give us that grace, as much as we need on a moment-by-moment basis. But it wasn't cheap. And sacrifice is the cost of grace. So today, we're going to drill down into that for just a moment. Uh, We continue to travel to Jerusalem with Jesus as he faces Jerusalem and faces the cross. And today, we're going to talk about suffering. But in particular, I want to talk about the sacrifice that is behind all of that. Um, You know, I never understood until later in life this whole idea of the sacrifice, his sacrifice on the cross and his passion. Uh, once, when I was a, a younger person, I guess it was in we we had our first child, Lauren, I think was three, and we went to church at Middlebrook Pike United Methodist Church. Took the disciple Bible study, which was wonderful, by the way, and and that was the first time I'd ever read through the Bible. And I remember wading through the Old Testament and that stuff about the temple and them slaughter of the bulls and the lambs and the and all the sacrifices on the altar. And I'm like, what is what is God? What is he just like the smell of a barbecue? I mean, what is this all about? Why did they do that? And we studied it, and I tried to receive it as best I could. It wasn't until that spring, because the thing goes from fall through spring, it wasn't until the spring we're in the New Testament, and I was reading John's gospel of the resurrection, and it was talking about the lamb. In several gospel accounts, it talks about the lamb and his sacrifice. And finally, it hit me. You know The whole point of the sacrifice at the temple was so that people would understand that when he parted the Red Sea, and whenever he made the manna fall from the sky when they were hungry, and when the water came from the rock, and all the things that God did, one after the other for his people, getting them out of Egypt and into the promised land, that was expensive. That was hard. That was grace. And he wanted them to understand how costly that grace is. And so they came, and they had to invest a little themselves in the animals or the grain offerings, whatever they brought. He wanted them to have a little bit of skin in the game to understand that grace is costly. Then, when I thought about Jesus and the, and the words, his sacrifice on the cross, the dots were all connected. And I understood, oh, yes, oh, my goodness, grace is costly. And I don't want us to miss that as we transition from Palm Sunday to Passion Sunday and we remember that sacrifice and what it cost. And as we remember that, what I want to encourage us to do on the front end is to think about how it is we live into that sacrifice and honor Jesus for his sacrifice by living sacrificially then for him. So uh, we have a scripture that I'm going to read. Uh, and I wasn't in here because I was helping out over there. We, were, we had somebody sick over there this morning. I don't know if anybody's read Luke 22, but I'm reading it again if they did. did. Did we read that? Okay. All right. You've heard it then. Okay. So here's what I want to do then. I want to connect dots. And thank you. I know I knew that. I knew that. I'm sorry I missed the reading. But that was, you, you know, the thing that is, I think, important about that, the fact that he was insulted and and that the, and that the guards— hit him and, and, and physically attacked him is that I think that's a little more relatable for us when we start trying to understand his sacrifice. It's, there's no way anybody can understand the cross and what that was like. But we can understand we've all been insulted. Some of us have been physically attacked. And we know how that feels. And Jesus just gave himself up so that so that we wouldn't have to suffer that, ultimately, he 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 suffered that so that we could live forever with him and also live with him now on this earth. I was thinking in in the in this in this morning. By the way, if you run into anybody who was here at the first service, tell them I know better. I found out how many biblical scholars we have in the church because I did this whole bit from Genesis 50 because there's a beautiful way sometimes in which the Bible interprets itself. And I went on and on about how Jacob had this dream, had this multicolored coat, and Jacob had all these dreams, and Jacob was thrown into a hole by his brothers, and no, not so much. That was Joseph. And so so I was really pleased whenever everybody came out at the first service going, oh, that was a nice service. It was Joseph. And that really, it really, after I got, uh, after uh, being embarrassed, I I I, I thought that was very great. We have a lot of biblical scholars who know, but, but Joseph was. Joseph, you know, was, 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 was given away to some travelers. They threw him in a hole and get, cause they were jealous of him because Jacob, his dad loved him, but more than any of the rest of them. I mean, he really did. And so he winds up in Egypt, and he winds up as a slave in a household, and there he's accused of doing something bad to uh, to the homeowner's wife, which he didn't do. But she falsely accused him because she wanted his affection, and he didn't want to do that because it was wrong. And so they threw him in jail. And in jail, he interpreted dreams for the leaders. And anyway, he wound up Being like the the head of of all agriculture and the head of the treasury in Egypt. He was like second in command in Egypt. And there was this great famine. And so his brothers, who of course were Jewish, people were leaving Israel trying to come. That's how they wound up in Egypt in the first place. Uh, They were coming there to try to get food because they had stored grain up. Can you imagine the look on their face? When they said, "Yeah, go down this hallway, turn down this door here. Now go out, and I go into that office, and somebody will be in to see you about some food," <laughs> and in walks Joseph, the one they threw in the hole and gave away to the travelers who took him away from them. And they were thinking, "Oh my gosh, he's going to have us killed on the spot." And of course, he didn't. And this is the quote that I want to offer. This is from. Genesis chapter 50, verse 20, because this applies, I think, to this idea of sacrifice and, and what this whole idea of Jesus' sacrifice is that's a mystery to us. Joseph looked at his brothers that they thought, they thought for sure he'd have, him, that he'd have him killed. And he said, you know, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives and I wonder if Jesus thought of that because he was a scholar of the Old Testament. All there was was the Old Testament in those days. I wonder as he kept going to Jerusalem and thought about this sacrifice he was going to make, that he would be sacrificed. Yes, yes, those temple guards and the, the Jewish leadership, not all the Jewish people, the Jewish leadership they were, who were intimidated by him and wanted rid of him, uh, and, and the Roman government that just wanted peace at any cost. Yes, they certainly intended harm for Jesus. But God somehow intended it for good to save many lives, and he did. Now, can we pause for just a quick second as we talk about living sacrificially for him? I want to make a point here. Jesus prophesied about this. Um, I've I've had it down here somewhere. Uh, There's a verse where he actually uh, prophesied uh, that what was going to happen to him would happen. He knew. He knew that he was going to be insulted. He knew he was going to be beaten. He knew he was going to go to the cross. He chose that for you and me. They didn't do that to him against his will. But here's something I want us to remember as we seek to live sacrificially for him in the world. Sacrifice must always be our choice and not someone else's. Because I know for a fact, I have talked to people in this church that have been in relationships where they were treated very badly, and they were told that they just had to deal with it because that was their place in the relationship. And, and I don't know where that is in the Bible. Uh, no, God doesn't expect anybody to set themselves up for abuse to live for him in the world. Jesus did, but Jesus is Jesus. And so I simply say that to make sure that we don't misunderstand what it means to live sacrificially for God in the world. Now, that, that also might mean... That we're in a conversation with somebody, or maybe a group of people, and the conversation that they're on is going in a direction we don't like, and they're they're talking about people or groups of people or some person or whatever in a way that's very harmful, and it goes against maybe what Jesus would think. Uh, You know, we have an opportunity to maybe say something on behalf of, of Jesus' position that really we don't have to understand and like everybody, but we have to love them and we can't hate that's what we're, we're called. But, that, but that's very difficult. And sometimes in those situations, fear can get the last word. Because we don't want to be ostracized by a group that we want to be a part of. We don't want to have people insulting us. And, may, and so it's hard. We're just humans. I mean, it was hard for Jesus. Let's face it. In the garden, the fear was bearing down on him. He didn't want to go to the cross. He didn't want to have the sins of the world dumped on him. And so Jesus is in the garden praying, Lord, Father, if you could take this away. That was his humanity. That's our humanity. But he caught himself. And he said, no, no. I have to finish this. Whatever your will is, that's what I'll do. Only he does that. We're not called to suffer and sacrifice in that particular way. But sometimes it may be that we suffer a little indignation or humiliation because we're trying to stand up for the right thing. But, but, that, but sometimes when fear has the last word, bad things happen. And very quickly... I want to give give you an illustration of what it means to, to look past the fear and move toward the sacrifice. Uh, I was this week on my news feed; it popped up, and I think it came from CNN. I don't remember, but it was somebody had written this big article, and it was comparing the police response in Uvalde, Texas, over uh, what happened uh, this past week in Nashville. And, and, you know, I'm not criticizing anybody. I have no idea what I would do if I were called to go into a place where people were shooting. But but I simply pointed out to say that there's been a lot of study of that, and 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 there, there there was a long gap between the time the calls came in that shots were being fired, that anybody actually went in and engaged the shooter, and a lot of lives were lost. And that's not my opinion. That's, I'm just reading facts back from from what happened then over against what happened this week in Nashville. And when you think about uh, those two officers, Rex Engelbert and Michael Colazzo, who kind of led that team in there, if you've seen that body cam video, I'm not suggesting you watch it because it's hard to watch, but it's... It's, it's stunning to watch it because from the very beginning, I think it was Engelbert's body cam. There was never any hesitation. He got out of the car, got his weapon, talked to a teacher who knew where he needed to go. He got his backup and in they went. They heard shots fired and they just kept moving toward where the shooter was shooting at people outside through a window on the second floor. And they just kept going and they just kept going. Turn around this corner, around that corner, watch out, be careful. And then when they saw the shooter, the shooter shot at them, and they returned fire. That was, fear did not get the last word in that situation. And, it's a, it, and it's, a, it's a sparkle of dew on a lawn in comparison with the sinless son of God who sacrificed for us. But it is an example of what happens when sacrifice occurs. When sacrifice, sacrifice happens when love gets the last word. And it got the last word in Nashville. There was this, these, these officers were not going to let any children, if they didn't know what had happened thus far, if they could help it, be harmed. And they sacrificed. As it turns out, they they did not die, but they were willing to. Sacrifice happens when love gets the last word. And that's what happened with Jesus. Jesus was afraid. Jesus had second thoughts. It's in the scripture, but the love he had for you and me was so strong. He was not going to let it get him off mission, and it was not going to let him stop. And I'll end with this: I read a story. This I'd read this story once years ago. And it was attributed to a, a, a book that Anne Lamott, who's a novelist, and it's coincidental. And I'd never read a Anne Lamott book, and I quoted her last week, and I'm quoting her this week. This, this was a story um, that I saw years ago that I share with you now. Um, eight-year-old boy, younger daughter, she had leukemia. And it was determined that he would probably be a good match to immediately get a transfusion to her to help slow down the spread of the disease. And the doctor said, you know, if your son would give some blood, I think maybe it would help. And so mom and dad went to him and said, would you give your blood for your sister? It might save her life. He thought about it. And he said, yeah, I'll do that. So they went to the hospital, and they were in a, a room, a treatment room, and he was on a hospital bed, and they were started to take his blood. And they were just immediately going to take it and begin a transfusion with his sister. And as they took blood, he kind of got weak and was laying there on the hospital bed and was kind of sniffling back some tears. And so when it appeared that things were going well for the sister, the doctor came over to him and said, Son, your sister I think is going to be okay. What's wrong? and the little boy looked up at the doctor, and he said, when do I die? He misunderstood the procedure. He didn't die, but he thought he was going to. He thought he literally was going to give all of his blood to his sister so she could live. And he agreed. Sacrifice happens when love gets the last word. And we will all have opportunities before this day is out, most likely, but certainly soon, to honor Jesus and his sacrifice for us with our life. We don't even have to wear a suit. We can do it in jeans. Don't tell my mom. We can do it wearing jeans. But we can stand up for somebody who doesn't have anyone to stand up for them. Or we can help someone who has no one to help them. There's any number of things we might be able to do that might require a little bit of sacrifice in the moment. But remember, sacrifice is the price of grace. We can never repay Jesus. He doesn't want us to for what he sacrificed for us. But we can try by honoring him with our life on a moment-by-moment basis. Amen? Amen? Let's pray together. Almighty God, how we thank you for your sacrifice for us. We don't, we don't understand, Lord, but we do understand what you, that you did it and what it does for us, and it gives us a chance to live forever with you and to live more for you here while we're still alive. So, Lord, by the power of your Holy Spirit, help us to begin this day to honor you and your sacrifice for us by sacrificing those moments of our life when we might be able to make a kingdom difference for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Concord United Methodist Church. This podcast is a ministry of Concord United, and we would love to hear from you. To contact us, please send an email to podcasts at concordunited.org with sermons in the subject line. For more information about Concord United, including worship times, service opportunities, mission efforts, and classes, please visit our website at concordunited.org. We also invite you to download and enjoy our daily devotional podcasts presented by the pastors and members of Concord United. Finally, we would appreciate it if you would leave a rating and a review of this podcast so that others can discover it and benefit from it.